and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Oh my golly gosh, have we got someone special for you this week, Anita Mojani. Anita is an international speaker and the author of New York Times bestseller, Dying to Be Me. And her latest book, What If This Is Heaven, is a woman with a remarkable story. After a four-year battle with cancer, Anita fell into a coma and was given days to live. As her doctors gathered to revive her, she journeyed into a near-death experience, where she was given the choice to return to her physical form or to continue into this new realm. She chose the former. And when she regained consciousness, her cancer began to heal. To the amazement of her doctors, she was free of countless tumours and cancer indicators within weeks. Her book, Dying to Be Me, has sold over a million copies worldwide in over 45 languages. It has been named a foreign language phenomena by her publisher, Hay House. It has now also been optioned by Hollywood producers to be made into a full-length feature film. Anita was a protege of the late, great Dr. Wayne Dyer, who brought her onto the world stage in 2011. She has gone on to capture the heart and attention of millions across the world. Today, Anita lives in the United States with her husband, Danny, and continues to share her incredible story and lessons internationally. It's now time to soothe your soul with this enlightened human being, Anita. Enjoy. Well, today I am super excited. We have a super special guest for you, Anita Morjani. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you, and thanks for inviting me on. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, look, I'm I'm the one that's really super excited. I'm sure our listeners will be too. Anita and I were just sharing that we were both in Europe, uh, enjoying the summer in Europe, and uh, of course, I'm back in Melbourne, and it is freezing. But mm-hmm. hey, that's the way it is. Yep, and I'm in yeah, well, I was going to say we're about to you again in Los Angeles. Yeah, so you've got summer as well. Yep, I'm so I'm lucky. I've got summer. I'm in a t-shirt today, so and I know you're bundled up nice and warm, aren't you? Absolutely, with a scarf around my neck and head, pretty much. But so, Anita, the way we love to start the show is always ask our woman of inspiration to share their unique story or what inspired you to get to where you are today. Okay, so um, I'm an author and a speaker, but 
um, I arrived here by accident, but of course it was a wonderful accident. And it was the result of, um, you know, which I, uh, I guess you could say like extreme adversity. So I had cancer. I had end stage terminal cancer. It was lymphoma. And I was supposed to die on February the 2nd, 2006, which is over 12 years ago. That should have been the last day of my life because I was lying in a coma in the hospital, wasted away. Um, my body was not absorbing fluid. The cancer, the lymphoma had spread throughout my lymphatic system. I had tumors, some of them the size of golf balls. My organs had shut down. And the doctors said that these were my final hours and that I was now dying. But while I was in the coma, um, the people around me were unaware of this, but I felt as though I had left my physical body and I felt amazing. I felt really light and free and just incredible. And I was aware of everything that was happening in the room around my physical body. I was aware of what everyone was saying and what they were doing and poking needles into me and tubes. And so I could see and feel and hear everything. But I could also feel the people's emotions. And then I felt like I was expanding and I encountered the, um, I would say, the essence or the spirit of my deceased father, my dad, who had died 10 years prior. And when I was growing up, my dad and I had a really turbulent relationship and I'd always felt guilty and I'd always felt that I'd let him down. And I always thought that one day when I die, I was going to be judged really badly. But here I was now in the other realm, like in the death state, I was aware I was dying. And I was aware that my dad was there on the other side to help me across. But I didn't get any judgment from him. In fact, all I felt from him was pure, unconditional love. And, um, and during our conversation, we can go deeper into things like my relationship with my dad and, and all that. But just wanted to just share with the audience that what subsequently happened, though, was that my dad said to me that it wasn't my time to die and that I needed to go back and there were some gifts waiting for me. Now, I was in the coma for 30 hours and so a lot happened during that time. And when my dad said to me that I needed to go back to my physical body, no part of me wanted to come back because it was so beautiful on that side. And physical life felt like such a struggle because I was always filled with so much pain and fear and the cancer, the pain from the, the cancer. But what I realized was I was in this state of clarity on the other side and I understood why I had the cancer. I understood how every emotion, every thought, every decision I'd made in my life had led up to that point in time of me lying there on that hospital bed dying. And uh, when I realized that, my dad wanted me to know that now that I knew this truth, if I chose to go back into my physical body, that my body would heal. And so I made the decision to come back. Um, and 
the last words my dad said to me on that side was, now that you know who you truly are, go back and live your life fearlessly. And at that point, I found myself um, coming back into my physical body and coming out of the coma. And then within, um, and then I, of course, I was surprising my family by coming out of the coma. And I was saying things to them that I had heard them say while I was in the coma, which really surprised them. And I told them, dad is here. I'm going to be fine. And I was a little bit delirious. It was like I had one foot on each side, kind of like being jet lagged, you know, when you feel a bit delirious. And so I was saying things and they were not quite understanding what I was saying. But over the days, I started to become more coherent. And in five days, my tumors shrunk by 70%. And in three and a half weeks, they could find no trace of cancer in my body. And in five weeks, I was strong enough to like be able to get out of bed and, and walk around and take care of myself. And they released me from the hospital to go home and live my life cancer-free. And that was over 12 years ago. Wow. I'm speechless. I'm sitting here going that I've got goosebumps. That's one. And I think that, wow, what a radical shift that was for you, releasing all that fear. It was it was quite incredible, but there was a huge journey after that, you know, and, and this is the part that I find really interesting and sharing because I understood when I was in that realm why I got cancer. And one of the things I understood, and this is a, kind of a, a, a big thing, it's more than one thing, but if I kind of summarize it, I realized that everything that I had been taught Everything I'd been taught to believe was actually the opposite of what I needed to know in order to live a happy, healthy, successful life. So everything that we've been conditioned to believe in this paradigm we live in, uh, it actually sets us up to fail. It sets us up to feel unworthy. It sets us up to... Um, yeah, basically to feel unworthy, to, to be unhealthy. There is so much about this life that actually sets us back. And then we end up giving our power away to all these systems to try and fix us. But actually, everything we need is within. And we're born knowing this, but it gets conditioned out of us. And so I realized that I had to live my life in a way that ran completely counter to what everybody in our paradigm believes in. And that, for me, was the bigger challenge, was coming back and living the life of a person who will not get cancer again. Because I understood that the person I used to be was the person who got cancer. So... Anita, are we saying that fear in itself creates the cancer? Because I'm trying to understand what would be some of our belief systems so that keeps us for, stuck. So for one thing is that our entire paradigm, our entire belief system is fear-driven. It's fear-based. So I don't want to make a blanket statement and say everybody who gets cancer gets it because of fear. But I am going to say that is what I understood about me. And having written about it and spoken about it, I have had tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people who relate to what I say. 
So, but of course there are people who will get cancer for other reasons. But anyway, what do I mean by I got cancer because of fear? So let me tell you what I mean. So from the time that we're young, um, we are conditioned, for example, even our education system, the driving force behind um, kids learning is not a love or a passion for learning and growing and educating or knowing more or for seeking knowledge. We're not encouraged in that way to when uh, there isn't a passion that's fostered in us. No, on the contrary, we're driven from a fear of failing. We're driven from a, uh, a fear of, you know, like having tests and exams to pass. So we have to get ahead of everyone else. So our education system is fear-based, not passion-based. Passion and love are pretty much the same in the same boat. So everything we do comes from a place of fear instead of a place of love. When we work, when we take on jobs, we take on jobs for for fear-based reasons, like we fear we won't get ahead, we fear career suicide, we have to, you know, we want to get ahead in our career from a place of fear, we fear not fitting in, we fear not belonging, we fear a better job won't come along, we fear not having enough money. At no point, in at least in my upbringing, was I told, choose what you love, choose what you're passionate about. Maybe kids are that today are told that, but I don't know. But certainly not in my generation, we weren't. So, so our education system was fear-based. Our um, career, job, working system was fear-based. You have to get ahead to please the boss or you get fired, all fear-based. Our government system, all fear-based. Our medical system, fear-based, because they're not interested in your health and well-being. They're interested in your illness. So when you go there, you're not getting advice on how to be well. You're not getting coaching, training, teaching, support on how to be well. The whole system is focused on looking for illness. And so the whole system is focused. It's illness-focused, not wellness-focused. And so I realized that in order for me to be well and healthy, I needed to focus on every aspect of my life from a place of love, passion, joy, desire. What do I want to do? What does it take to be healthy? Not, am I sick? Let me go find illness in my body and eradicate it. No, but what does it take for me to be healthy? And not, how can I make more money? No, but it's about how can I follow my passion and make sure my needs are met as well? You know, so I had to completely create my own toolbox because there were no tools out there because everything I said went against our paradigm. Well, I can relate to that and I so agree with what you're saying. It is very much fear-based. Now that you've explained it, it is. It's, it's everything is driven by fear. Yes, it is. And that's how we get angry. We get stressed out. We get sick. We get burned out. We get depression. And it's no wonder we, we're so messed up mm. because our entire paradigm is fear-based. So what happened is when I first came back and I started sharing that I can't live this way anymore. I can't, I need to create my own world in my own arena because I need to live a life of passion. 
people would say, oh, you're being delusional. You're being unrealistic. How do you, you're not going to be able to pay your bills. And this is crazy. This, get it, you know, like get with the real world. So people would say things like that. And then the one that stuck with me was I was delusional. So I realized though, that if I let them get to me and if I worried about fitting in, and if I became the person I used to be just to fit in, I would again be that person who got cancer. And I didn't want to do that. So I really had to become a hermit for a little while and create um, this, this life. Like I had to actually put it into practice, what I learned. And then I started to see it actually working. And when I started to see it working and I started to write my story, and then it was discovered by Wayne Dyer. And, and so, you know, I followed my truth of just following my passion, doing what made me happy. And I really followed my truth. And over the years, I saw how it worked in my life and how my life changed. And all these people that had said I was delusional, they were still struggling with their lives. And they all came back to me and they said, oh my God, you, I love your life and I envy your life and I want what you have. How do you do it? How can I get what you have? And I would just say to them, I guess you got to be delusional. I love that. And so it sounds so simple. It's basically choosing love over fear. Yes, but it's very simple. But to do that, we need to slow down to be able to actually ask that question, is this fear-based or is this coming from our heart? Is this coming from love? Is this what we really are passionate about? Yes, exactly. And we need to ask it of ourselves. And if we have children, we need to encourage our children so that our children don't make the same mistakes we have. We need to encourage our children to follow their heart. We mm -hmm. really do. Um, yeah, yeah, because um, our, our um, how would you say, our love for our, ourselves and our love for life and our passion for life is what keeps us healthy. So what would be a piece of advice for those that would like to embark on a new way of life like you have when we live in this really fast-paced world how do we slow down enough to tap into love over fear i would ask people to make sure that they they take some time for themselves so one of the things i would ask people is that are you doing things do you find that you are doing things that are not you. So because love, choosing love um, has to start with loving yourself. And loving yourself is the same as being authentic, loving your life. This is what creates, um, you know, happiness, joy, and good health is when you love yourself and you love your life. And when you allow yourself to be who you are, that's when you can truly be healthy and you can truly follow your joy. And that's when you don't get depressed and you don't get burned out because you're not trying to be someone you're not. You're not wearing yourself out playing guessing games and trying to please everyone else around you. So in order to do that, the first question I would ask you is, where are you taking on things that are not yours? What are you doing in your life right now that is not yours or not you? Where are you saying yes when you actually wish you're a you wished you were able to say no? Those are the first kinds of questions I'd ask you. 
Because mm. I know, I think for me, as I'm listening to you, I know for me, I have this big thing that comes up for me all the time, self-worth. And, you know, I think uh, I've been doing a lot of archetypal uh, research and I, I, I fall into the caregiver. So I naturally, uh, as part of my archetype, I naturally love to look after people. But there's a trap in doing that because you yeah. are so focused on other people being well that you actually let yourself go. And I know that there's, I hear this a lot if, with entrepreneurs and lots of people actually do it. So how do you, um, you know, from a love pl- – because when you're saying you've got to love yourself, it's so much easier said than done. I know that I struggle with that myself. I'm constantly working on myself. Could I say that I love myself 100%? I even struggle to even think I do 100%. So yeah. What are those little things that for our listeners as well and for myself that we can do to fall in love with ourselves? So the first thing I would ask you is, because I know people who don't love themselves or people like yourself who are rescuers, givers, caretakers, you're very good at giving, but you're terrible at receiving. So the first thing I would say is, how are your receiving channels? Are you good at receiving? If somebody gives you a gift, whatever it is, whether it's time, whether it's an object, whether it's a favor, do you immediately feel obligated that you have to return the favor? Do you feel it's like a burden? If this is the case, then you are not recharging your batteries. You are letting yourself go and you need to learn to receive because if you don't learn to receive, you will run out of batteries. And so even what you do naturally, which is giving and giving of yourself, you'll only be able to do it for a limited amount of time before you burn out unless you receive. So I would ask you to work on your receiving channels. Oh, I love that, receiving channels. And it does have to be, I mean, it is an exchange of energy. I mean, that's the one of the universal laws. You yeah. have to 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 learn i mean it's it's all about it's in the giving that you receive but you have to really understand what is receiving for you you really do have to understand what is receiving for you and i usually what i ask people like say in my workshops um what i do is i take people on this little journey where i make them visualize um that um visualize as though they can see their life force energy running through their body. So imagine that, you know, we are like we in actuality, not even imagine in actuality, we're not five sensory beings, we're six sensory beings, because our sixth sense is our life force energy that courses through us. Now imagine if your physical eyes could actually see that energy coursing through you. And imagine that as you can see this energy coursing through your body and you see it as vibrant energy, maybe it's violet and it's violet color and it's um, vibrant. And when it's really vibrant, it creates this beautiful big aura that when you're next to people, your aura even touches them and uplifts them. But now imagine if you're constantly giving your energy, but you're not replenishing it. And if you're a people pleaser, and if you're a doormat, and if you're someone who's tired and downtrodden and doesn't know how to receive, imagine this energy getting less and less and less. Imagine you could physically see it. That's what lack of self-love looks like. If I could put a visual on it, it looks like someone with completely depleted life force energy. So when your life force energy is empty, what do you do? 
you need to hang around people with high life force energy so they can replenish you. And if you don't know how to receive, you will only feel high when you are around them. So you will basically be sucking on their energy. And because you don't know how to receive, you don't know how to replenish your energy to be vibrant yourself and take that energy out to everyone else. So when you think about it this way, that when you're a giver, but you don't know how to receive and you reach the point of being depleted, so you need to suck other people's energy, then does that make you selfish or selfless? In fact, you end up being more selfish because you end up relying on other people's energy because you don't know how to receive. You don't know how to love yourself enough to receive. Well, Anita, that has been the best description of I've ever come across, to be honest, and I've, I'm a very visual person, so I got the whole visual when you were talking about the sixth sense, the life force coursing through you, and I love that. That was a really well um, really well explained, so thank you so very much. That makes it very clear for me now, and I'm sure our listeners will think the same thing. Oh, um, that's great. I'm glad, and that's that's exactly the kind of – Thing, um, what I talk about in my yeah, in my events and workshops, so that people really get it that it's not selfish to love yourself. In fact, it's selfish not to because you deplete your energy and then you're reliant on other people's energy to prop you up. Mm, so true. Wow, that's so. Felt like I've just been hit over the head with fry pan now. <laughs> Makes a whole a whole lot of sense. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, Anita, well, the other thing we love to ask our women of inspiration is we talk about pain points. Do you have pain points in your life or business at all? Um, tell me a little bit more about exactly what, what pain, you mean. Pain points is, uh, for example, it might be that um, – uh, so, for example, in business a pain point might be that um, – for example, for me, I don't know how to say no. That's a pain point, which I'm learning. Uh, it could be anything. A pain point could be, um, you know, learning how to take time out. Um, it could be anything. Gosh, yes, I'm, I'm terrible at saying no as well. Um, so I'm also, um, you know, so I basically I call myself a recovering doormat. Um, so I am, so one of my pain points is saying no. Um, another pain point, something I hate to do, I hate selling. I, I cringe when I have to promote or sell something, you know, and, and, and I'm always getting my knuckles wrapped from people like promoters, publishers, you know, event promoters, like, oh, you've got to talk about it more. You've got to put it in your newsletter. You've got to, they're always telling me sell, sell, sell your events, your products. And yeah, that for me is, I, I really struggle with that. I think we all do, Anita. So what's your trick? How do you do it? How do you get past that, that little roadblock? So uh, several things with the no, what I've discovered about the saying no, and I'm writing about this also in my new book, is that if you don't worry uh, about saying no, but instead focus on what you are passionate about. So I have to backtrack a little. So for example, people who have trouble saying no, end up saying yes 
to things they don't want to do. And they're constantly doing things they don't want to do, right? Mm -hmm. Because we can't say no. And so we get lost in doing all these things for other people and we lose ourselves. But if you can be coached into finding your own passion, and chances are your passion, because if you're that kind of person who can't say no, you are the kind of person that loves to help people. So if you can really focus on something that you love to do, which you love to do, uh, and it also helps people while you're doing it. So in my case, one of the things I love to do is I love to create videos. I love to create Facebook videos, and I know it helps a lot of people. It's something I love to do. It's something that is also helping a lot of people. And so when I think about, okay, each time I do a video, it helps about X number of people, let's say 10, 20,000 people or whatever it is that watches a video. And I need to do more of these videos. Now, every time I'm unable to say no to someone and I say yes, I'm doing what they want me to do. And it's taking away my time from creating a video that could be helping 20,000 people. So what I've realized is that when people find it hard to say no, if you help them focus on something that they're passionate about, which is helping people, and every time they're given a situation which they normally would find it hard to say no, it becomes easier when they've got something better that's more helpful. So when they can say, oh, you know what? I'm really sorry. I can't do this right now because I'm tied up creating X, Y, Z videos and this and that, which is in, and, and inside they know this is going to help a lot more people than me saying yes to doing this for this one person. Does that sort of make sense? Absolutely. I love that. I absolutely love that because I think that when we do what we love, which um, I do, I absolutely love uh, what I do, it's it's a, it's almost like you never work a day in your life. But the, there is a danger in that because you can just overwork uh, and, um, you know, experience yes. burnout. So then the other thing is even when you take rest time, you know, like, so this is how I talk to myself. I tell myself, I have to take a break. I have to rest so that I can be in good health to create more videos for all the people who I'm helping with the videos, you know, so you, so everything is in that context. So take a rest, take today off. It's okay to just sit back and read or go for a walk and watch TV and not do anything that feels productive because I'm charging my batteries so that I can use all my energy to create another video tomorrow. You know, so I kind of talk, coach myself through that. And the same thing when someone asks me to do something that I don't want to do, but they're kind of putting it in a way that's hard for me to say no, I coach myself through that, oh, if I do this, it's going to take away my time, which is going to push back my next video. So I need to explain to them how I can, you know, how I'm just not, I don't have the time right now to do it. So, you know, so I, I coach myself through all that. But when you don't have anything meaningful for you to focus on, it's a lot harder to say no. So that's that's really the message I want to get across. Oh, that's loud and clear. You got it across, I think, uh, not just for my, uh, our listeners but for myself as well. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely love that. So you actually have to have something that you're really passionate about and something that you can look forward to. Hence, it will be easier to say because when you say yes to others, you're actually saying no to yourself. 
Exactly. Exactly. You're saying no to yourself. And if you have nothing on, like what happens is that if that's been your habit for years, then chances are all you're doing is pleasing others. You've never had a, you've never had time um, or an inclination to develop your own passion. And maybe no one's even told you that you're supposed to have your own passion and your own love and your own desires in life. Mm, so true. So, so true. Oh, I'm loving this conversation, Anita, and I'm sure that our listeners will be uh, jumping with joy listening to this conversation. So, Anita, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, I would tell my younger self, don't take life so seriously. Um, and uh, a lot of the spiritual teachings, although much of it is helpful, but a lot of it is too serious. Now, I'm going to say something a little bit provocative here, is that if you are somebody who's super sensitive, super empathic, which I'm guessing you are, and I'm yes. guessing <laughs> many of the listeners are, if you are someone like that, and if you are someone who's unable to say no and who has a tendency to be a doormat, a people pleaser, then conventional spirituality or even contemporary spirituality is not necessarily good for you. And I'll tell you why, because for me, I kept getting the message that I had, this is before I had cancer, before I, I had the near-death experience, um, I was really into trying to be more spiritual. And the message I kept getting was that um, you, you need to serve, you need to serve other people, you need to give of yourself, you need to squash your ego, suppress your ego. And I would do all those things and feel that I needed to do more and more of that in order to be more spiritual. However, what I didn't realize was that when you already have an inferiority complex, when you're already a people pleaser, all these things were making me so small that I became invisible. And that's why I got cancer. Mm. It had the opposite effect. So I believe that when I am talking to people who are people pleasers, empaths, doormats, people who can't say no, people who are super sensitive. I give them the opposite message. People who have inferior, inferiority complexes, you know, I give them the opposite message. I say, you need to actually embrace your ego because they have what I call a negative ego. It's the opposite. Then ego is not even at normal levels. So they need to be able to be who they are and shine their light brightly and expand their energy and take themselves out into the world. And I think that because the super sensitive people, the empathic people among us have really made themselves small and suppressed themselves, that's why we have such an imbalance in the world out there today. Wow, I love that. It's, it's, I think, you know, for myself, I've been on a big spiritual journey for a long time and it's all about letting go of the ego, you know, and I think there's also this belief in uh, with spirituality. It's, you know, and I've worked with a few clients who's right into spirituality. There's this thing of, um, you know, are you worthy enough of asking this much money because you're doing spiritual work. There's this belief, it's part of that belief system that you don't make money if you're a guru or a spiritual, uh, you know, um, uh, 
practitioner, whatever that may be. So there's all these, you know, and it really is completely opposite to what you're saying. You're saying for those people that are in paths, actually embrace your ego. I love that. Yeah, they need to, because the world needs to see them. You see, the thing is, um, this is why spiritual people, I mean, this is why I believe anyway, that we never see consciously aware spiritual people in leadership positions because in order to take a leadership position you do need to have an ego having an ego is different from being a narcissist it's two different things people seem to think that if you embrace your ego you're a narcissist no it's just that currently it seems that narcissists have no problem in embracing their ego but the people pleasers the empaths, the sensitive people, the doormats, they're the ones that have a problem with embracing their ego. And that's why we don't see very many consciously aware people taking leadership positions. Mm. So how does one embrace their ego? Really, it is about being unafraid to, um, to really love yourself. And when I say love yourself, it means being able to see that when you allow yourself to fill yourself with this energy that I talked about, it's a good thing, not a bad thing. Um, and it really also means being unafraid to share your awareness with the world, you know, because um, even in order for me to share my message, if I still had the same beliefs that I did previously, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. I used to make myself so small that I was I was completely invisible. But today I'm driven by not wanting other people to go through what I went through. And I need to believe in what I do strongly enough in order to share it. But when you have no ego, you don't even believe in what you're doing. And mm. when you don't believe in what you're doing, then, you know, it's, then it stays hidden forever. And the world is deprived of who you are and your message. And so if all the consciously aware people are not sharing their message, then the world is deprived of the messages from consciously aware people. Mm, I'm loving this. This is very much resonating with me because when I think about that, it's when it's, for example, it wasn't that long ago having a conversation with my team and they were saying, you've got to do more Facebook Live. I, I, I've, only, I've only done one. Uh, and you've got to be, get more personal on Facebook. And to me, I have this struggle because it's almost like uh, I'm being egotistic. But the way that you're describing it, it's actually you're sharing your message to help empower the rest of the planet. Yes, yes, because the thing is, the way I look at it, I mean, I was exactly the same. But here's the thing. I don't want people to um, believe in me or worship me or follow me or any of those things. That's not why I share it. I don't, I'm not even trying to sell books or anything. What I'm trying to tell people is you have the power within you and the people I'm talking to are the people who've been downtrodden and, and treated like doormats, you know, because I was bullied as a child. I am sharing with people what I wish people told me when I was in that position, because when I was in that position, I got cancer. The cancer came in not to kill me, but to save my life because I was 
in a sense, you could say being killed or killing myself already. I was killing the person I was energetically. You know, if I if we go back to that visual of your life force energy, the life force energy within me was so depleted, but I didn't know how to receive because I thought it was egotistical to receive. I thought I was an extremely good and selfless person. But I'm what I'm doing today is I'm saving the life of that person I used to be. I'm talking to my audience as if I'm talking to that person I used to be. Wow. And, I love that. and this is what I would want that person to know, that downtrodden, that person. I'm not like, I'm not doing this to get Facebook lives or sell books or anything. I'm doing this because I want that person who I used to be to know that. And there are many people out there who are that person I used to be. Love it. Absolutely love it. So who has been your greatest influence, Anita? Um, so Wayne Dyer was the biggest influence in my life because he discovered my story, bless him. He was incredible. So he found my story on the internet and had his publishers, Hay House, track me down, which is how I came to be where I am. Um, so he actually said to me that he wanted everybody on the planet to hear my story. And at that time it was, I mean, I couldn't believe it because it has taken me a long time to even believe that my story and what I have to say is worth hearing and worth listening to. And it took somebody like Wayne Dyer saying that to me, for me to really then believe it and think, oh, wow, yeah, maybe maybe I do have an interesting story. Mm, yeah, and he, he passed away a little while ago too. It was cancer, I think? Yeah, well, yes, and the funny thing is, he had actually healed from the cancer, so there was no more cancer in his body. He had leukemia, and he came out of the leukemia, and so there was no more cancer in his body. And then he just died in his sleep very peacefully, which I think is actually a blessing because when he went, he was actually feeling physically incredibly good. Mm. And so he... He got my book published through his publisher and he wrote the foreword and then he invited me to be on his PBS special, uh, which is public television in the U.S. So I was living in Hong Kong. So he actually had me flown to the U.S. to appear on his TV show and and then asked me to appear on his stage appearances as he was touring. And that's really how he launched me. And, and so if it wasn't for him, I you know, I wouldn't be where I am today and doing what I'm doing. So I really owe it to him. How wonderful. And he was a wonderful man too. Absolutely. Oh, he was. He was so generous, generous of spirit, generous hearted. He was, he was really a wonderful man. Just like yourself. <laughs> You're full of love. And on that, actually, what we also love to do is ask our woman of inspiration, pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be yours? Uh, mine would be, oh, just one word. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. I'll say, I'll say love because I think that's the solution to every problem in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. You know, I think that sometimes when we get, and sometimes we forget to do that, just to tap into our heart center and actually just feel from that space rather than the head space. It makes a big difference on how you respond and react to situations. 
Yes, it does. It really does. And yeah, so love, it would be love. And oh, and I want to just add one more thing. Yes. If there's anything I wanted to say to my listeners. So, you know, I just want to say that, um, so we do live in a fear-based world, but the only way to transcend fear is by increasing love. You can't get rid of fear with more fear. So in other words, don't say, oh my gosh, I'm feeling fear and that's scary. So when we think in terms of look at how much fear there is in the world, it makes us feel even more fearful of the fear that's there. But the solution to fear is love. So if um, like love is the light and fear is the darkness, and just like how you can't get rid of darkness with more darkness, you can only get rid of it by shining light on it. The only way to transcend fear is by increasing love. So I just wanted the audience to understand that, that when you're feeling fear, the question to always ask yourself is to turn it around and depending what you're feeling fear about is to ask yourself, okay, what would I do if I did love myself or what would I do if I was doing what I loved or, you know, just so turn it around to how can I love the situation more? How would I come at it if I was coming at it from a place of love? Oh, I love that. What would you do if you came from a place of love? That's um, really resonates with me as well. Oh, I'm just filled up with goosebumps this morning. Thank you very much, Anita. So the other thing we love to do is as we wrap up the show is ask our woman of inspiration to leave our listeners with three shiny golden nuggets. So what would you like to leave for our listeners today? Um, okay, three shiny golden nuggets. Let me think of that. I guess one would be, that um, one would be that uh, love is the solution to every problem in the world. The other would be it's not selfish to love yourself. In fact, it's selfish not to because then you, you kind of drain other people's energy. So that's number two. And the third one is don't take life seriously. Laugh, have fun. Um, laughter and having fun is the most spiritual thing you can do. And if all else fails, eat chocolate. That always works. Oh, love <laughs> chocolate, especially dark chocolate. Yes. I also love the the one that you talk about with loving yourself is not selfish because otherwise you're actually draining others' energies. So I guess for somebody that's like an empath and a giver for me, that really resonates with me because I'm thinking now I bet I've got to love myself more because otherwise I'll be taking from others. See how you <laughs> kind of reverse psychology. <laughs> yes, that's true. Mm. And and don't do it out of fear. Just be gentle with yourself and learn to receive. And when you receive gifts, don't feel obligated. You know, don't don't waste the gift by immediately feeling an obligation. Enjoy the gift when you receive something. Mm, because, I love that. And, and you will be gifting other people very naturally on, and organically just because you are a giver, a rescuer, uh, an empath. You're giving all the time. So don't, you don't, you know, for you and for people like you and for the people I'm speaking to, to, giving and helping other people, it's a given. It's not even something you have to consciously focus on. It's who you are. It's what you do. But what you have to consciously focus on is receiving and replenishing your own batteries. You do have to focus on that. Absolutely. I agree with that. So, Anita, where's the best place for our listeners to find you? Um, so I'm very active on social media. So there's, um, 
Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and also my website, which is anitamurjani.com. I also have a radio show every week on Hay House Radio, which is on Wednesdays, but it's at 12 noon U.S. Pacific time. Um, and I love hearing from people. And even though I may not reply to all emails, I do read them all, people who write in through the website. I read them all, and I love creating Facebook videos, which then get posted on YouTube. So please check out my videos. Love it. And you're doing a movie as well. Is that correct? Yes. So a Hollywood producer has discovered my story and optioned it to make into a full length feature film. And they're working on the script right now and they're going to be casting actors soon. So that's quite exciting as well. (laughs) Very exciting. You should be the lead role. (laughs) <laughs> I know. And it's funny because I I think I would be a terrible actor. <laughs> I really do. Um, but the thing is, I'm a consultant on the script writing because what I love is that they want to keep it authentic, which is great. Oh, it's gorgeous. So, yeah. Anita, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. You're such an inspiration and I absolutely loved everything you spoke about. And I'm sure our listeners will reach out to you and I'm sure they'll get a bit of a big buzz once I listen to this interview so thank you so much for your time your energy oh you're most welcome it was such a pleasure you asked wonderful questions and I really enjoyed it the time has just flown by yes it, it is absolutely I could keep you on the show for another half an hour or so but I know that you're a very busy woman but thank you once again thank you so much That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.